And this is WCBN 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? What's said If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I eat them anyway? Every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is very, very loosely a show about food, not necessarily loose burgers, but there you go. And on today's show, I want to talk about a trip I made to Iowa recently where I discovered many, many important things to do with food and litigation, and that's something I really want to share with you because what is Ann Arbor about but food and litigation? What does that mean I don't know, but let's get started, okay, before we think about this too deeply. have a couple of news items that have nothing to do with Ann Arbor, first of all, but we'll get, we'll get to Ann Arbor and, and such in a second. First of all, you should know that the International House of Pancakes is suing another IHOP, the International House of Prayer, saying that the church mission in Kansas City shouldn't be allowed to take advantage of the restaurant chain's famous name and acronym. The Kansas City, the Kansas City Star reports that the chain says... It sued only after the church mission refused repeated requests to stop using the IHOP acronym. The restaurant spokesman said the church has expanded and some branches are serving food. The lawsuit was filed last week in federal court. Gary Cooper, a former Houston attorney who until recently served as the church mission's chief financial officer, said he didn't think the lawsuit had any legal basis. The religious group, which promotes its belief in daily continuous prayer, has drawn thousands of people to Kansas City since it opened 10 years ago. The International House of Pancakes, the International House of Prayer, you decide. Meanwhile, Julie London sings. Nice girls Don't stay for breakfast That's what they all say From New York to Rome Emily Post Would surely Say To her host I've dug the evening The most But please take me home Nice girls Don't stay for breakfast And I'm a nice girl You know that I am If you're 
impressed with these words I professed. I have just one small request. Pass the jam. Please pass the jam. Pass the jam. Studio's steaming up in here. I don't know what time it is. Nice girls don't stay for breakfast. That is Julie London, also known as Dixon on Emergency One. And I think we got an emergency here, folks. Uh, This is on a collection by Julie London that is called Ultra Lounge Wild Cool and Swinging Artist Series Volume 5. Julie London will not be appearing at the International House of Prayer, but she may be seen at the International House of Pancakes. This cannot be confirmed. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and before I get to the point, which is something I often dread doing because it means thinking, nonetheless, I do want to mention one more thing on the subject of sweet things and morality. Um, In London, this is some news from the Associated Press, Britain's advertising watchdog has banned an Italian ice cream ad featuring a pregnant nun saying it causes offense to Catholics. The magazine ad for ice cream maker Antonio Federici showed the nun eating a tub of ice cream with text that read, Immaculately conceived, ice cream is our religion. The Italian company said the idea of conception represented the development of their ice cream and the ad aimed to gently satirize religion. Oh my, we're going to have to do something about that. But meanwhile, I want to talk to you about a very moral group of sisters who had a vaudeville act at the turn of the 20th century called the Cherry Sisters. I recently went to Iowa, and in fact, I went to the original state house of Iowa, where the state legislature used to meet when Iowa City was at the beginning, the capital of the state of Iowa. And the Cherry Sisters, I found out in a diorama there, at a vaudeville act called Something Good, Something Sad. This vaudeville act lasted for 10 years of the Cherry Sisters group, which consisted of Addie, Effie, Ella, Lizzie, and Jesse Cherry. They were from Marion, Iowa. And they briefly appeared on Broadway. That's that's exciting. Brought to the Olympia by impresario Oscar Hammerstein, who can forget. In 1896, Something Good, Something Sad opened at the Olympia in Broadway. According to one unattributed press account, the four grim-faced sisters sidled out on the stage in handmade red calico dresses and began their act. Elizabeth played piano, and Jessie slammed a huge bass drum while the sisters sang, Cherries ripe, boom die, cherries red, boom die, the cherry sisters have come to stay. Next, Jessie, draped in an American flag, sang an original patriotic number entitled Fair Columbia. Lizzie followed with what must have been a jaw-dropping version of a traditional Irish ballad. This, by the way, this information is out of a WFMU blog and also from Wikipedia. In Effie's vocal centerpiece, The Gypsy's Warning, Jessie portrayed a barefoot flower maiden falling prey to a swashbuckling Lothario played by her sister Addie. Later in the evening, a living sculpture tableau entitled Clinging to the Cross featured Jesse suspended from a giant crucifix. Spectators routinely laughed, heckled, catcalled, booed, and threw vegetables at the sisters. This is a food show, remember. 
they threw vegetables at the sisters throughout the entire performance. In one incident in Dubuque, Iowa, a fire extinguisher was sprayed directly into one of the sisters' faces, and the show was stopped by the local marshals to prevent further harm. Eventually, the sisters performed behind a wire mesh curtain to avoid being struck by projectiles from the audience, although they would later deny that this had ever been necessary. Gives me visions of Rawhide by the Blues Brothers behind a mesh wire in a, in a country and western bar. Both kinds of music, country and what, you know what I'm saying? Now, while in New York, the Cherry Sisters refused all invitations to parties and claimed that they would not visit Coney Island because they did not want to see women in bathing costumes. This is a very moral show during a family hour, and we approve very strongly of that. In the meantime, however, if the Cherry Sisters were instead the Barry Sisters and they were on Coney Island, perhaps they would sound something like this. Are the mention was home, a tropical town. Say, you find such a place by a tropical yam. Says, you sind to your face, far ying and out. The climate is haze, in the water is cold. In Korea, in Korea, is a far gelegen in Korea. In Korea, ah, this is my land. So give the tropical down to the tropical seashore by them yum, 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 yum. Take an old shoebox, pack it up with lunch Because on the beach the bunch likes to munch You won't have to season the carrots and peas There's garlic and cheese in the ocean breeze In Korea In Korea It's so continental in Korea In Korea Yes, that's my land So take the family Molly and Sammy Swimming in Then yum, 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 yum Sizamichai You don't have to run to Miami down south Here you get the same sand in your ear and your mouth Here you sit in the sun Don't cause the scent in your bed, fabrant in Korea. In Korea, there's a far in Korea. In Korea, ah, this is my land. Fin shane and made a love, could sing the clay the love, swimming in then yum, 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 yum. Well, I hate to stop you all from dancing around and around the kitchen, but the song is over. I'm sorry. 
But that's the Barry Sisters and Coney Island. Yes, part English, part Yiddish. Pure beauty. It's a pure thing of beauty and a thing of pure beauty as well. The Barry Sisters, also known as the Bagelman Sisters. And that is Coney Island, which, where we last left off in our last episode of the Cherry Sisters, the Cherry Sisters did not want to visit Coney Island because they did not want to see women in bathing costumes. If you just tuned in, the Cherry... Who are we? Pandora's Lunchbox? Yeah, that's it. Well, the Cherry Sisters were a group out of Iowa. Addie, Effie, Ella, Lizzie, and Jesse Cherry from Marion, Iowa. They toured with their vaudeville act, Something Good, Something Sad. For 10 years, they often had vegetables thrown at them, according to several accounts. And... Things came to a, a, a vegetable head or something when the Des Moines leader got involved. Critics weren't always very uh, sympathetic to them, although they sold well in New York. Apparently, the word got around that they were so awful you just have to see them, and it's, it's a riot, so practically caused a riot. But here, here it begins. Here's, here's where things get meaty. In January 1893, Fred P. Davis, the city editor of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, reviewed the Cherry Sisters' performance at Green's Opera House, noting their knowledge of the stage is worse than none at all. (gasps) The sisters demanded a retraction, and the Gazette complied, allowing them to write it themselves. The Cherry Sisters did not consider the retraction to be sufficient and accused Davis, Fred P. Davis, of libel. The complaint resulted in a light-hearted mock trial on stage at a Cherry Sisters' performance in March 1893. So meta. In 1898, the, Old, the Odebolt Chronicle pr- printed an extremely negative review of the Cherry Sisters Act entitled, The Cherries Were Here. And this is from the WFMU blog. In February 1898, this is the daily Popeye moment on the show. The Odebolt Chronicle editor, William Hamilton, wrote, When the curtain went up, the audience saw three creatures surpassing the witches in Macbeth in general hideousness. Ouch. Their long, skinny arms, equipped with talons at the extremities, swung mechanically, (laughs) and anon were waved frantically at the suffering audience. The mouths of their rancid features opened like caverns, and sounds like the wailing of damned souls issued therefrom. They pranced around the stage, strange creatures with painted features and hideous mane. This article was later reprinted in other newspapers around the state, including the Des Moines Leader. In response, the Cherry Sisters sued the Chronicle and the Leader for $15,000 in early 20th century money, claiming that, claiming that the unflattering descriptions of their physical appearance presented in the article constituted acts of false and malicious libel. The Odebolt Chronicle kept an ongoing log of the, process, of the progress of the proceedings, which included a courtroom performance by the Sisters. The Polk County Court decided in the newspaper's favor in 1899, and the sisters appealed to the Iowa Supreme Court. The court upheld the verdict, stating in their May 1901 decision, the editor of a newspaper has the right, if not the duty, of publishing, for the information of the public, fair and reasonable comments, however severe in terms, upon anything which is made by its owner a subject of public exhibition, as upon any other matter of public interest, of privileged communications for which no action will lie without proof of actual malice. Surely if one makes himself ridiculous in his public performances, he may be ridiculed by those whose duty or right it is to inform the public regarding the character of the performance. Maybe that's uh, what we're here for at WCBN. Nonetheless, we are also here to celebrate 
gloriously bad things because it's all good and all beautiful. Cherry versus Des Moines leader is considered to be a landmark decision, confirming the right to fair comment and critical analysis in the press and is still frequently held up as a precedent in contemporary court cases. The Cherry sisters are important and influential, this is true. They've also been the subject of at least two contemporary theatrical productions, one called Cherry Bomb, a comedic musical play produced and performed by 1812 Productions in Philadelphia, and Cherry Sisters Revisited, a 2006 play by Dan O'Brien. Sadly, there are no known recordings of the Cherry Sisters singing Cherry's Ripe Boom D.A., Cherry's Red Boom D.A., The Cherry Sisters Have Come to Stay, or any such thing. There are no recordings. It was just too early. They were too ahead of their time. So we must instead imagine some of the implements of vegetableness and fruitiness thrown at them and how some of them might have ended up in a delicious soup as sung by a different group of sisters, the DeMarco sisters, as such. is cool when it's hot now some gals like to sit and knit all night and some gals just like to go out now these things don't seem to interest me much i just like to put food in my mouth now there's a place down south in new orleans where they specialize in french cuisines they cook a dish for which i'm devout when they serve it you'll hear me shout I ain't had a taste of it for days and days Vichyssoise is a crazy dish But I can't get with it cause it's got no fish So if you wanna hear screams of admiration Here's a few tips on its preparation Introducing Misty Marco of the Better Bullion-Based Bureau of a minna and the scale of a whale. Yes. A small red herring and a lobster's tail. Got it. Add a barracuda with some cooking oil. Then you brew it all up to a nice slow boil. What else? Peel yourself an eel, throw a big fat clam in, a lean sardine and some sockeye salmon. Uh-huh. Take the juice from the fifth of wine. Mm. Mix it all together till it tastes real fine. You got it. Boo your base, boo boo your base. The finest food you ever fed your face. Now if you want to cook it with expedience, here's a couple of added ingredients. Throw in the legs of a frog or two with an onion and a grunion and you let it stew. Moist an oyster and I'll tell you what, throw in some shrimp and some halibut. Add a box of lox and some real mad shad. About a pound of flounder jack, that ain't bad. Then you grab any old thing from the bar. You mix it all up with some caviar. You got
Oh, yeah. That's the DeMarco sisters and Bouillabaisse. Bass. How often do you get to hear Vichyssoise and Bouillabaisse Bass in the same song? How often do you get to have them in one bowl? This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's 10 minutes to 7. I'm Mike, and this is a show very loosely about food. And I learned about the Cherry Sisters, who I've talked about throughout the show in Iowa. Also in Iowa, well, that's a look at the past, a century ago. But how about a few centuries in the future? I went to a special town called Riverside, Iowa, and I met this fellow. I am Phil Richmond. I am vice president of the Riverside History Center here in Riverside, which is half town history and half Star Trek. <laughs> it's half town history, half town future on the museum. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the future history and, and what it's all about. Well, in 218 more years, Captain James T. Kirk of Star Trek fame will be born here in a little area back behind what's a barber shop or hair salon right now. Okay. You know, even though in the movie he is born in space, that's an alternate universe, so everything's different. <laughs> now, there is a line, I think, in the current film where he says he's born in Iowa, right? Yeah, they go back to his childhood a couple times in that movie. With a long, it's kind of a flat barren area <laughs> unlike what iowa is right now right. but then they actually have him report to the riverside shipyard in that movie and that's where they're actually building the enterprise and he gets in a, a fight in the shipyard bar which actually a local bar owner here in town has picked up on that <laughs> <laughs> great so uh, what is here in your uh the the future history part of your history museum well we have a lot of star trek memorabilia the different items they've done through the different series and movies because there's been five tv series and 11 movies now which, you know, we kind of are more on the original series because that was Captain Kirk and that's what we're based on. But we do have stuff from Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise, and all the, the movies. And we got different things. You know, the new movie was kind of big for us. Paramount Pictures actually got a hold of the town and they had a, like, we got to see it before it got released. They had an early viewing for Residents of Riverside, which was a lot of fun. And uh, Walter Koenig, uh, Chekhov, came here for the, uh, what is the festival? Yeah, our festival is called Trek Fest. It's always the last Saturday in June. And Walter Koenig's been here for the last three years now. In 2009, we actually had Walter, Nichelle Nichols, and George Takai, because it was the 25th anniversary of the festival, because we've been doing it since 1985 now. <laughs> Great. And what are your thoughts and memories of Star Trek? I remember watching it when I was a kid. When I was growing up, it was on TV, and... I always watched it, and I hadn't really seen it much since then because, you know, hasn't seen it much on reruns lately. And when I got here, I started watching them all again, so I knew more about the episodes because a lot of people come in here are experts. Okay. <laughs> and I know what they're talking about now. Okay. We had kind of a big deal this year. The, the Boy Scout National Jamboree was down in Virginia, and one of the local scouts here actually designed the patches for the Boy Scout uniform. They have Star Trek themes in them. Oh, wow. It's kind of scouting and Star Trek and the themes. And they trade those there at the Jamboree, and they were, like, so popular. You know, we got extra ones here to sell, and we started getting calls from all over the country from some of these kids that seen these patches, and they wanted to get the full set. So they're getting a hold of us to complete the sets. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you.
where's Spock, and how can he be Captain Kirk when he's not born yet? Oh, it must be a future recording. Wow. An archival future recording there from Spiz Energy, where's Captain Kirk? So I went to Riverside, Iowa, as you heard, and Captain James T. Kirk, well, he won't be captain yet. He'll be a baby, a little baby going goo-goo and all that stuff. He'll be born on March 22nd, 2228. Watch your calendar for that. Before I go, I was going to talk about a little bit of the history of throwing food, but I'm out of time. So I'll actually talk about something important before I go. The 6th Annual Hope's Harvest Benefit Dinner will take place this Sunday afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. It'll be in the future home of the Growing Hope Center on Michigan Avenue in Ypsilanti. Tickets are on sale at growinghope.net. I can't actually quote the price because of radio regulations and such, but part of it is tax deductible. If you're not able to, if, if you're able to assist an organization that helps distribute food to people who need it, you might be able to help them in a way that other people may not. So information on that is at growinghope.net. Also, we'll be talking about double up food bucks pretty soon in the next few weeks where people who have bridge cards can actually get double their money for for getting vegetables and fruits at certain farmers' markets, including two farmers' markets in Ipsy, two in Ann Arbor, actually six in the Detroit area, and four in the Battle Creek area. So that's information on that is at doubleupfoodbucks.org. I've been Mike. Thank you for listening to Pandora's Lunchbox. May you be as happy as the Cherry Sisters and the Shags combined. It's 7 o'clock. It's almost time to face the music. In the meantime, a little bit of a short history in song of vegetables. These are not sisters. These are some brothers and some cousins. You may know them. Beach Boys, I think. Yeah. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm going to be around my vegetables. I'm going to chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all. My favorite vegetable. vegetables cart off and sell my vegetables I love you most of all my favorite vegetable
7 o'clock in the evening is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. Experiential, experimental, freeform radio from the University of Michigan run by students with lots of community involvement. It's time to face the music. Music. 